Hey ladies, the holidays came early not only for you, but also for your man here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products that your man will actually use, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give the man in your life the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology. No more candy cane balls. It's waterproof so he can use it in the shower. And I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like every time I clean the bathroom, my husband goes in there and shaves and there's hair everywhere. So it's like a gift to yourself with less mess. Their hygiene bundle also comes with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep his junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for his perfect package. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products, so get your man, your dad, your brother, your friend, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Go to manscaped.com and use code mimosaswithmoms for 20% off plus free shipping. And let's get started with today's episode. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This week, I'm welcoming on Dr. Christy Overstreet. Dr. Christy is a certified sexologist, psychotherapist, and the creator of the Ideal Intimacy Method. Dr. Christy and I talk all things sex, um, sex after babies, and the changes that happen in our relationships, especially in the bedroom, once we enter into this new season of life that is parenthood. Dr. Christy gives us her insights around sexual self-esteem and how it impacts relationships and marriages. We talk about the concept of fixing yourself first instead of waiting on others to change and really communicating your needs without feeling guilt. Dr. Christie helps us understand the 12 types of intimacy and how they play roles in our relationships. And we discuss mismatched sex drives and changes in relationships over time. I loved this conversation with Dr. Christie. I think that she really took a lot of the pressure off that so many of us put onto ourselves as we enter this stage of our life and parenthood. Um, and, and she really normalized the changes that happen in our relationships as we enter into parenthood and how to navigate some of those changes. You can find Dr. Christie on Instagram at Christie underscore Overstreet. You can find her on Facebook at Dr. Christy Overstreet, and you can find her on her webpage, drchristyoverstreet.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. Dr. Christy, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm excited that you are joining me here today because I know so many of the mamas listening have maybe gone through this or are going through this, will go through this, but intimacy is so hard while parenting. Um, And we'll kind of dive into that and unpack that a little bit. But first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. 
Sure. Thanks for having me, Abby. I'm so glad to be here talking about one of my favorite topics, intimacy, sex, and all things related to it. Yeah. A little bit about me is, you know, I found myself in this space of uh, trying to figure out what to do with my life after this really big failure, personal failure, when it came to career choice. And yeah. I, uh, I, I went through this period of wanting to go into emergency medicine. That was my goal. That was my whole direct dream. And then after my first year of med school, it just was not working out. So to make a long story short, I came back home, reset, and started yeah. working for child and family services and met a therapist for the first time. And yeah. when I met that therapist, I'd never heard of therapy before, never knew there was therapists out there just because in a small town in Georgia I grew up in, they just don't exist. Right. And uh, it just clicked. I was like, I'm supposed to be doing this. I want to have this impact and help people and serve. And I thought it was through medicine and it was actually through therapy. So ended up becoming a therapist and working with individuals. There was always issues with sex, issues with intimacy, and yeah. then just issues around how do you connect? And then I said, I have got to learn more about this. And that's what led me to specialize in sex therapy. So as you can guess, most of my days are spent talking about sexuality, yeah. sex, sexual health, and all things when it comes to intimacy, especially problems and issues around it, which is so common. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about this because I'm going to tell you a little like story. I had a friend um, who I was maybe on my third baby when they were like, oh, I think like we're going to give this parenthood thing a go. We're going to start trying for our first baby. And she asked me, she was like, I have this great sex life with my husband and I'm so scared that it's going to change when I have a baby. And you know what I did? I lied. <laughs> I was like, no, it totally won't. Like, you guys have this great sex life. You will prioritize it. It'll be great. And it's so funny. She has two kids now and she's like loving motherhood. But I've had the conversation with her yes. since of, so I did lie to you, but was it a lie? Like, did, did it play out that way? Did you continue to have this great sex life with your husband or did it go through some of these like rocky roads? So she's like, oh, no, it definitely has gone through rocky roads, you know, hopeful that it'll come back or whatever. But Let's kind of talk about why intimacy is so hard, especially transitioning into parenthood. Well, you're so right. Your, your friend's <laughs> lucky to have you, but she's also lucky to have your honesty whenever it comes. Yeah, right. And the thing about it is, is it absolutely does change your yeah. relationship it because it's a priority, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning what happens, especially with new mamas, is understandably the child gets 100% of your attention. Yeah. And it doesn't really stop for a long time unless you, <laughs> you know, really work on, you know, making sure you've got that support, making sure you're prioritizing yourself, which is really hard to do, especially without having mom guilt and everything that goes around it. But yeah. what I find with couples that are really healthy and staying healthy in their relationships with having kids is the intentionality behind sex. Yeah. And not having to like set a schedule that Saturday night at nine o'clock, because even though, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But nobody having sex at night. People are too tired most of the time. Right. Right. So it's more of a, hey, I want to get some time with you. I really like to have sex with you and spend some time. I know I'm going to have some time this weekend. Can we just make it a priority? And then talk about it, flirt a little bit about it, have some excitement around it and build to it and make it a priority sometime that weekend to take a couple of minutes off to put into intimacy and sex. That is this idea of intentionality versus just waiting for it to happen. Because for most women, you, we don't just like spontaneously get desire. Like, oh, I'm turned on. I want to have sex. Like that just I love that common. you're saying this. 
Now, it'd be great if it did. It doesn't mean that we don't at different parts. Because I think like maybe when we were younger and like our young 20s, it might be just like hot and like spontaneous all the time, right? And I think like that's kind of a hard place too for us like now being in motherhood, maybe a little bit older, you know, that you have like these expectations that it's just going to be like when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I do, I love that. Like you're talking about this of that we need more, I guess like foreplay, but like not foreplay and you know, the way that maybe we think of foreplay foreplay in the way of, picking up an extra chore for your spouse so that like she's not so burnt out by the end of the day foreplay in the flirting foreplay in like sending a sexy text message throughout the day to be like hey things are gonna happen tonight right and because I agree I feel like if you're not talking about it it's easy to get in bed put on Netflix (laughs) and get in that rut Absolutely. It is. And the talking about it can even look like gratitude. Hey, I really appreciate it. Or, you know, it really turns me on when I come home and the dishes are emptied. I don't have to stop the dishes or you got to go food. And I thought I was going to have to cook. Thank you for being you. And then that gratitude really can move over to the bedroom or another time or say, Hey, we got time for a quickie in the shower. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you or whatever the case is on the buffet. Yeah. That, That does transcend to that because Again, unless we understand those desired differences that are totally normal and common, we're going to think that something's wrong with us. And for all the listeners out there, there's nothing wrong with you. And so many women feel that they're broken and that there must be something wrong because I don't desire my husband like I used to, or I don't want my partner as much as I used to. And it's just called life. It's not called a problem unless there's some different factors, obviously, that lowers libido and desire. Mm -hmm. Um, which we can get into if you want to. And if there's relationship conflict, obviously that's going to be dialing down trust. Therefore, intimacy is going to be down. But if we don't talk about it, it definitely ain't happening. Right. Let's kind of talk about, I guess, like what leads to this lower libido. um, If it's not like an outside factor, right? If it's not maybe a hormonal or medical situation that's happening, if there's no conflict, You know, we're like, we have this great relationship. I love him. We're great parents, but I'm not desiring my husband like I used to. Why is that? Well, a common thing that may be going on is that your attraction in them may change. It's got nothing to do with love. You can love him all day, but attraction changes. And the thing about it is it may not be a physical attraction. It might be a behavior attraction. They may be just doing something that's just a straight up turn off that maybe in the past didn't bother you, but I mean, it's things are chaotic, hormones can even still be all over the place and you're parenting and all these different priorities and just something just keeps getting stuck and you're so aggravated with it when they come to kind of give you the hug and they start moving to the butt, you're like, get away from me, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so behavior can also be really unattractive. And I think we don't talk about that enough, but we assume like that it's got to come from something inside. But um, that's why people, you know, you need to be able to say like, when when your when your partner says something to you that you really like or they do something that's really nice or they think about you in this small way we have got to even turn on the gratitude and say i really love it when you did this that meant so much to me or i got really turned on because if not they're not going to know to keep doing it. it's positive True. behavior modification in a great way and we're we got to do that so that we can get more of what we want while we also give them what they want right no, I think like communication is definitely key. Let's talk about some of the other, I guess, like now the outside factors that lower libido that moms can be looking out for. Mm-hmm. Definitely hormones first and foremost. Yeah. And it's understandable they're going to be all over the place. They're supposed to, depending on where you're at. 
Um, and the other thing can be effective is medication. If there's mm -hmm. medication, we, I don't think we, we kind of just say, oh yeah, medication side effects, but that can be really damaging to us. And it can make you think, yeah. well, I don't need the medication, but no, you need your medication. So don't just stop taking your medication because you're worried about that. Right. There are other options for that. And whether you go to a doctor or a homeopathic doctor to look into that. Um, another big one, even though we talked about it earlier, is that relationship conflict. If there is an issue with trust and trust doesn't have to look like somebody just stepping out of the relationship or cheating, it can be are you going to be there for me emotionally? Are you going to show yeah. up when I need you? And trust and intimacy are in tandem. So, and I say intimacy, I'm talking about connection. So when trust goes down because of your, something your partner said or did, your intimacy is going to go down, that connection with them. So working on trust as the core root issue in your relationship and focusing on that and asking, is what I'm doing helping or hurting trust can definitely improve your intimacy. And when those intimacy goes up and there's 12 types of intimacy and physical intimacy is one of them, they're all going to start going up. And that's what our goal is, is, you know, these outside factors, even though we may not can do anything about the medication side effects, how yeah. are we connecting with our partners with recreational intimacy? Are we having fun? Are we going for that walk or that bike ride or taking that time to share in spirituality or things of beauty? Because those are things we can maneuver around. We may not be able to change that medicine, but there's something else that we can change to help us improve our desire and libido. Yeah, no, I totally agree. What? How do you feel like, I guess we can improve some of this intimacy when, you know, I'm like, I'm really feeling like the postpartum period. You know, I think moms are just hit from all angles yeah. during this postpartum period, right? We're struggling with our identity. We might be struggling with our postpartum body. Um, we're feeling touched out. And this is also kind of the time when I feel like relationships take the hardest hit as this postpartum period. I think yeah. like that first year of a child's life is so rocky on your relationship. Mm -hmm. I know in my house, we've gone through it a couple times. And how can we kind of fireproof our marriage and maintain that intimacy when we're also battling some of these other things? That's again, where this idea of really understanding your partner and your, yeah. your partner understanding you is so crucial. And that's why as much ahead of time, you can talk about, hey, we know it's going to change. What can we anticipate? Okay, yeah. when I come at you sideways and yell at you next week, please know it's not personal. Yeah. Please know that it just happened and it might not be about you. And then really step forward to try to say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm reacting like this. It's got nothing to do with you. It's about me and what's happening. And that communication and that accountability is huge, as well as um, to give the mom space to rest to relax, not have to be touched, not have to be in mm -hmm. charge, having that time out and non-disturbed where um, the, the partner can go in and say, I've got this, you need to take a break, you want to get out of the house, what do you need from me? And knowing that this is a time where partners have to really step up and show up right, yeah. to the moms in this period. But then uh, as that happens, the mom also says, hey, I hear you, partner, what can I do for you that I know I can show up and do? That's where that communication and trust is. And to know that is just a season because it can feel like this is going to be like this forever. And that can really bring you down. Just yes. Like this is a season we're going through. Yes. And what we take from this, we're going to look back and laugh and think, how do we survive that? And it's going to make us stronger. So being on the same team in a partnership yeah. versus pitting against one another is key. 
Yeah. And I love like your perspective of that. This is temporary. <laughs> this postpartum period will end. It's a period, you know? Um, and yeah, I just like, I think like what you're talking about, the communication being so key. I look back at some of, or I guess like how our postpartums improved along the way. Mm-hmm. And from the first one where I was just like resentful and bot- bottling up anger and like, why is he not supporting me in all these ways? Because he's not a mind reader and because he's never been through a postpartum period either, right? And so now here you are, like you guys are just both figuring it out. But I think it's really important. And I know that sometimes that sucks and it feels like one more thing on your to-do list to tell that other person exactly what you need. It's so important, you know, and then like they show up and they do it or they don't and then you got those problems. But if there's no communication, there's there's no intimacy, right? Um, Christy, let's talk about like our sexual self-esteem. What is our sexual self-esteem? How do we improve our sexual self-esteem? Talk to us about it. Every single one of us breathing has a sexual self to us. Like, yes. We have these different parts of our identities. And this has got nothing to do with how much you like sex or how much you hate or avoid sex or how much trauma you have behind sex. Like we all have it. Yeah. And with that being said, since it's a part of our self, we have a self-esteem component of it. So when we look at our sexual self-esteem, it's how do we feel about our sexual self? how we show up in sexual situations, how we show up for our own sexual pleasure and self-pleasure. How do we feel about our bodies when it comes to our sexual self or how we communicate about sex? So it's all those things encompassing everything when it comes to our sexuality, including our sexual identity and sexual health and our, our views on that of ourselves. Yeah. And our sexual, uh, sexual self-esteem shows up so often because whether we're feeling bad about how we're looking or feeling bad about our bodies or how right. what's wrong with our body because this is happening or it looks different than it did you know five years ago and you can really get yourself down and if you're in a relationship with a partner who is adding to that they say they're being negative they're being a jerk about what they're seeing or saying maybe they, they're a narcissist or whatever's going on they're adding to that and making it worse. It's going to be really hard for you to work on your sexual self-esteem if yeah. you're internalizing that negative feedback or if you're taking those narratives you were told growing up. We're all told things about ourselves, about sex and sexuality growing up in either homes or communities. And sometimes we take those messages and we take them as like the gospel, but they're actually really could be really negative. And we have to ask ourselves as adults, what narratives am I telling myself about my sexual self-esteem and which ones need to be rewritten that aren't serving me anymore? They're a part of who I am because I'm experiencing maybe a part of where I'm at in this relationship, but I've got to take responsibility to rewrite them to yeah. make it work for me versus against me. Yeah. No, I love that. And there's 12 types of intimacy and tell us about those and how they impact our relationships. Thank goodness there's 12. Let's be real. <laughs> My gosh, if it was just physical intimacy, we'd be in trouble. And I'm a sex therapist. <laughs> I totally agree with that, right? Because, well, and you know, and like kind of going back to like these periods of parenting and just like life. I love like you said that in the beginning, you know, there's going to be times of low libido and that's just life. I, yeah. I think that that was like the most important thing. Absolutely. <laughs> true. But the good the good thing about these different types of intimacies is they really can work together. Now, yeah. again, when I say intimacy, I'm talking about connection. Yeah. And when I'm talking about physical intimacy, sex is one type of physical intimacy. So for an example, 
Um, we have physical intimacy. That's an easy one. We have communication intimacy, how we communicate and connect. We have recreational intimacy. One of my favorite that I do with my partner, we bond over doing really fun activities together. Yeah. Um, another good one that definitely comes up as a pair is crisis intimacy, right? How you deal yeah. with a crisis. How do you connect? How do you work together as a partnership? Spiritual, spiritual intimacy is another one for some people. Um, a chore intimacy, like you said earlier, oh my God, right. it really turns me on when I come in and I don't <laughs> empty the dishwasher or you cooked and it's to go food. Thank goodness. Right. Right. So that's just a couple of the different types of intimacy. And there's 12 of them. It does not mean that you and your relationship have to be firing on all cylinders on all 12. The way I approach this with couples is to say, you know what, let's take these 12 types of intimacy and I'd like both of y'all to identify which ones you want more of, okay? Which ones do you want more of in your relationship? So both of you would look through these 12 types and check off the ones you want to build. And then we say, okay, which ones align? Oh, how about that? Both of you want better communication intimacy. Wonderful. What do we do to work on that? Like what's getting in the way? So anyone listening can look up these 12 types of intimacy and start talking with your partner saying, hey, I'd really like to work on some of these. And that definitely improves when you look at the way trust factors into that. Because again, trust and intimacy are in tandem. When you've got one, you've got the other and one moves with the other. So working on just a couple of these intimacies can help build, repair and reconnect you if both people are working to be their healthiest self more days than not. And I say more days than not because nobody's working on themselves 24 seven because <laughs> perfectionists. I wish that we were. It. Right. I know. I know. It got a real big the perfectionist in me really <laughs> wishes that, you know, I'm like, if I could just be on the other side yeah. of like this healing journey or all these like self-improvement things. Right. Right. Life would be better. Yes, agree. Where's that magic wand at? Abby? I, know. I know you've got it around here. So. My therapist says that. Like, Abby, I do not have a magic wand. And I'm like, but why not? Right? I'm a therapist myself. So, like, I know this, but you're yeah. just like, man, if these were able to be quick fixes, things would be easier. Absolutely. You know, so because I get like these kind of questions all the time over on my page. Um, about intimacy, about relationship problems, about um, low libido. And I think that these are also very vulnerable conversations to be having with our partner. Mm -hmm. How can we, I guess, like start these conversations? You know, if we're having the low libido and we don't feel like there's the intimacy and connection in our relationship, how do we come to our partner and say that, you know, that that's a very vulnerable thing and can be scary for some. It definitely can because that what if comes up, right? right like what right. if they get offended? What if they blah, 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 the what ifs, we could do that all day. But right. the thing you got to do is you got to think about when is going to be the best time where both of us can be a little bit more vulnerable, right? Yeah. Where you have a little bit more time to be able to have this talk and to, and to start it off in a way that said, I really want to share this with you and tell you kind of where I'm coming from because I owe that to you as my partner. So you're right. coming off like offering and saying, hey, I really want to collaborate on this. I want to tell you what I think. I want to hear what you think. I just want to have a discussion around it. That's not um, going to end in a disaster that we're not personalizing or jumping down each other's throats. Are you good with that? I'd be down with that if you are. So you're yeah. kind of inviting your partner to a conversation versus going, we need to talk, which absolutely <laughs> is going to send them to the moon. They're going to be shut down. And it's important when you've got your time set up, you go to your partner and say, I want to collaborate on this. We're not negotiating. We're not in a terrorist situation where we've got to like, you know, yeah. like negotiate something. 
um, where we can say, I want to add some things. I want to hear what you have to say. And, and it's not going to be the last conversation we have about it. So this don't have yeah. to fix it. Um, and then you want to show up to uh, really be honest. And if you're worried about saying something that's going to offend them, because it's common where you may think, like, I really hate it when my partner touches me here and it turns me off. Say, hey, I really like it. And I'll do better at telling you in the moment when something feels good. I need to be a little bit more vocal. You're saying what you need to do and holding yourself accountable by also saying, hey, you let me know too when I do something that feels good. Is that good? And listeners may be listening right now thinking, wait a minute, we don't talk like that. Well, talk <laughs> how you need to talk, being honest, being upfront, and just put it out there because why haven't you tried that yet? Because you might right. be fearful. You don't want to be vulnerable. You may get hurt. But here's the thing. I'd rather you take the risk because it's something your gut and your intuition saying you got to talk about this. If you mm -hmm. don't, you're silencing yourself and you're not getting your needs met. And here's the hardest thing, I think, especially for moms, is that you deserve to get your needs met. And if you yeah. don't prioritize yourself at the top of that triangle and work on yourself and prioritize yourself, you're not going to be there for the relationship second or the kids third. And because, you know, if you go off the track, everything's going off the track. So it's, it's true. Like, if you don't, you're actually doing a disjustice. So it's another way of thinking and looking at this is like, I've got to fix myself first in this format. And if I don't, I'm doing a disjustice versus everybody else's needs come before me. And that's, that's how you start. And doing that, this is another part of it, having that talk about sex with your partner and, and letting them know this won't be the only one. I want to keep talking about this. And when you have a good conversation, it means that neither one of you are like personalizing, getting offended, getting your feelings hurt, and you're not trying to kind of come up and problem solve on that in every conversation. Because sometimes it's just about connecting and not having to really fix something. Right. No, I totally agree. I think like on the flip side of that, the other question that I get asked a lot on my page is when there's, I guess, like a difference in sex drive, whether, mm -hmm. you know, you, the mom, the woman yeah. in the relationship, I'm talking about heterosexual or I guess any couple, if one partner is having a higher libido than the other, mm -hmm or it's your partner that's having the higher libido than you, mm -hmm. how do we kind of navigate those things? How do both partners get their needs met? Or is there, I guess, like, where do we go from there? It's such a common thing. I hear so many individuals and couples talk about. So no, first of all, totally normal and common. Remember, we got yeah. those two types of desire, spontaneous. And a lot of times, a lot of men are more spontaneous desire, like, oh, the wind's yeah. blowing, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Whereas a lot of, and a lot of women are like, you know, it's more of that reactionary. Oh, we thought about something that might've turned us on or we may be reading something or watching a movie that might turn us on a little bit, or we have a, a fantasy about something or reading erotica yeah. or something. And so we have to understand that desires are going to be different and drives are going to be different. So the way to do that is if, if it's an issue in the relationship, go to your partner and have a conversation about it again, back to collaborating that you say, I'm not going to take this personal. You don't take this personal, but let's talk about how we, how do we come together? You're wanting sex more than I am. And I'm feeling guilty about that. So let's talk about what that looks like. Right. Okay. Well, how often would it be? Well, I'm okay. If we once a week would be great. Hey, I can do once a week. Let's let's, well, I'm a night person. I'm a morning person. All right. So let's just make it on Saturday when we're both got a little bit more time. You're collaborating on what will work. First, right. that's key. We're not negotiating and having to give it. We're collaborating because there may be a need you have or won't. You know, and you can and talk about that and bring it to the table. The second thing you got to do is have a sexual buffet. Now, I created this idea of a sexual buffet because we need to have options. Let's be real. 
Yeah. So think of this quickly as a buffet. You go in, you take a little bit of this off the plate. You don't want this today. You can't even stomach that, but I can take a little bit of this or I'll go back for a second helping of that. When it comes to, I'm going to say sex in general with physical intimacy, yeah. there's going to be times where your partner's like, oh, I want to do this. You're like, oh, heck no, I'm not even feeling this. I, you, you're not even touching that. I am not. Going, but you know what? I can do this. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll get. Oh, yeah, I can do that. But I'm not doing the other. Oh, got it. No problem. This is the collaborating. You're coming together saying there's different things on our sexual buffet than just intercourse or penetrative sex. Right. We've got oral sex. We've got solo masturbation. We've got mutual masturbation. We've got all kinds of things on the checklist yeah. that both of you consensually want to do that you can pick and choose from and not take it personal. Because if someone is saying that sex is only intercourse or sex is only penetration, we got problems. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we cannot have that the begin all and end all because nobody is satisfied with only that. And we know yeah. studies show that I think it's like 95% of women require clitoral stimulation in order to reach yeah. orgasm. Yeah. So this idea of penetrative sex is not going to do it for everyone. I wish and, more men were listening to this episode. Probably mm-hmm. my podcast is like, I don't know, 100% women, I'm sure. <laughs> well, the good news is some of these girls and not on the that are listening, they have partners that are men. So they're going to share this episode. So just make sure that you like listen to this episode in the car with your partner and be like, oh, I don't know. I wanted to explore this episode. <laughs> Yeah, because I think a lot of men need to know that, right? The yeah. 95% of women need clitoral stimulation, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that these conversations are hard to have with our partners yeah. of what is on our sexual buffet. You know, I love that, like, you were talking about it like that and, you know, that we can pick and choose different things for different times. You know, maybe we don't have time for the full yeah. on all of it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm in the mood and like, let's do something mm-hmm. real quick. Right. So I think like those are great, a great, like a little nugget of advice. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Christy, do you feel like in, I guess, navigating some of these conversations and I guess like presenting it like this to our partners, of uh, this buffet style, um, communicating our needs, what more can we be doing to gain this level of intimacy that we're hoping for? The number one thing, in addition to all the stuff we talked about, like if you like skip the whole thing and you only hear this, here's what I want you to do. (laughs) I want you to find out, explore what touch feels good for you. Yeah. And there is no judgment whatever touch that might look like. It might not even look like a touch on an erogenous zone of your body. I don't care what it is. You just need to know what feels good for you by having some self-exploration because yeah. your partner, and if your partner's a man, major, I'll say almost every man I've ever worked with in 15 plus years, they have wanted to have quality sex and quality means that their partner is enjoying it. Maybe yeah. they're smiling. Maybe they're saying something that's saying validating that this is good. Maybe versus a partner that's like white knuckling it, frowning, making noises about how how horrible it is, or just looking like they want to be anywhere else but where they're at right now. Right. Majority of men would rather have quality, enjoyable sex versus a large quantity of sex. Yeah. That means quality does not mean swinging from the chandeliers. It means enjoyment. So you need to know individually what feels good for you because how in the heck can your partner make you feel good if you don't know how to instruct them? And let's be real, you're going to have to instruct them. They're, they're bringing in what In all areas of your life, you have to <laughs> instruct them. 
And they'll be grateful. Men are problem solvers. They're trying to figure things out. So when you give them a guide, they're like, thank you. Now I can go perform a task. This is great. Right. Right. So, you know, let you knowing what feels good is so crucial. So take that time to explore your sexual self. Think about what you fantasize about. Think about what turns you on or what might turn you on and look yeah. at that. And know there's different periods of your life. You'll go through different seasons where you may want to explore that more and times where you don't have any interest in it at all. And it does not mean that something's wrong with you. It just means you're normal. Right. I love that. I love that you're normalizing that because I think, you know, and having like some of these discussions on my page or having some of the moms come and ask these questions. I think that there's a lot of shame around low libido. I'm not having enough sex. And I'm like air quoting that. Um, You know, I think, yeah, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of guilt. I'm not satisfying my partner. Maybe there's fear. You know, we're not connecting in a way, you know, or is my partner going to step out? Um, I'm not meeting their needs. Am I not a good enough wife? Feeling not good enough? You know, and I think that those feelings, they're hard. And I just love that you're validating, you know, or shedding light on that these are normal periods of your life that you're not just going to be this wild sex creature your whole existence right <laughs> or, or maybe even any part of your existence right and, and that is okay and, and like maybe, we're not 21 years old anymore guys no, and not out trying to land a relationship because you know i know that for me that's i thought you know as a as a young woman like that's you you gave sex you gave that physical connection in order to get yeah. a relationship because that's what guys wanted i didn't know about the emotional connection yeah. I didn't know I was really looking for emotional intimacy. So yeah. letting your partner know, hey, I want the physical intimacy, but I also want that emotional intimacy, that security and that feeling. And yeah. finally, many, 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 many years later, many, 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 many relationships later, I finally connected that. Right. No, I totally agree. And once like you have that relationship that you can have these open communications with, um, it is so awesome. You know, that deep level of intimacy to have the conversations about your sex life, you know, hey, for me and my husband, we had these conversations, I don't know, a month or two back, we had babies back to back. So it was like five years of just like exhaustion, not sleeping through the night, breastfeeding, being touched out, just like treading water, trying to keep our heads above water, right? And obviously, we were having sex because we had three babies back to back. But I wouldn't say our sex life was like this hot and spicy thing anymore, right? And now like we're kind of on the flip side and we have some of these conversations of, okay, we're sleeping through the night. We're feeling like ourselves more again. I want to get back here. I want this to come back. I want to prioritize this. I want to be communicating this way. And having like those conversations, like we went out to lunch and had this conversation, you know, and it was really it was really special, you know, to be able to have that conversation, to be seen. And I don't, you know, I just think like that level of intimacy, it's unmatched. It, it, it is. And I, and I will, I will the, you know, the people listening right now to, to, they hear this story, Abby, and they're like, wait a minute, that's possible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Th- these relationships are possible. They're doable, loving, supportive, yeah. non-judgmental, not perfect but loving relationships are totally possible. And every single person listening deserves that. And that can be hard to hear 
if you don't have that or you're like, oh my gosh, this is just not what I have. Um, I hope it's going to change. I'll tell yeah. you, your partner's not going to change. You have to be the one to initiate changes within yourself, what you want, need, desire, how you communicate, what you bring to the table. It's the best chance of that shifting onto your partner and them seeing you make a change to see them make a change. <coughs> And I will say like this conversation that we had at lunch, I initiated that conversation. And I think like, you know, as women or as moms, it's hard to ha initiate those conversations. So I do just like want to normalize, like you can go out there and ask for what you want and like that it changed, you know, I went through this period where I was breastfeeding babies back to back and my body wasn't my own for five years. And like, Oh my gosh. I just like think about some of those times, like just wishing my body was for me. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody else touched me. And I just yeah. like want to be done breastfeeding, but we're not done. I'm actually not done. He's not done, you know? And like, yeah, just the roller coaster of all the different things I was going through and now like kind of coming out of it and wanting certain things back mm -hmm. and like that, I don't know, like that fire returning or that desire, that hunger for your partner, yeah. you know, and like that it's exciting and that you want to share that. And so, yeah, I just like I do. I want to normalize what you were saying that that's just life. Some of these libido dips and some of these drier seasons, mm -hmm. um, things when it doesn't feel as spicy, but that you can communicate your needs and go and get what you want to, you know, and having those conversations. So important. Dr. Christie, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation because I think it is so important. I think we all kind of go through these things unless you're like some magical creature out there that has just nailed intimacy. And I don't know, <laughs> teach us your ways, I guess. <laughs> but Dr. Christie, where can my listeners find you? They can find me on my website at drchristyoverstreet.com or on Instagram at Christy underscore Overstreet. I've got a couple of free resources, those intimacy checklists and different things like that available. Perfect. I'll be linking all those in the description of this podcast as well. Dr. Christy, thank you so much for joining me and cheers to a more intimate relationship. Absolutely. Thank you for taking on the conversation and yeah. showing us just how much power we have as women to yeah. speak up, to get our needs met. And that's what I want people to know is that a woman is the most powerful thing in the world because you yes. have so much strength and you don't have to settle for being unhappy. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself and speak up in those relationships. Yes. Thank you for that. Thank you, Dr. Christie. Thanks for having me.